Come and dream with me. Hello and welcome to What Do You Want to Watch? This is Network's premier media podcast. Every week we get together to talk about movies, TV, and online content to help you answer the question, is Barbie going to be the highest grossing movie of 2023? I'm your host, Ash Joining me today, Dylan Blight. Probably. I mean, it's sitting at... $780 million right now, end of week two. Uh, and the highest grossing so far is Super Mario Brothers with $1,351 million. So, what has, the, what, has the, what has the chance of even getting close? Really? What, Re- just... Like, to come in and, like, what, what else is coming out this year? In a world where movies are getting delayed, probably. I don't think anything, unless something is a massive surprise here. Yeah, like like movies are going to come out and make some like decent money for themselves, like normal amounts. But I don't think anything is going to catch up to that. Hmm. Do you do you think you could rival Avatar? Avatar made two trillion dollars, mm-hmm. two billion. Sorry, two billion bees. I don't think so. No, my my nanopot went and watched Avatar. They're not going to go watch Barbie. My mom and dad went and watch Avatar. They don't care about Barbie. Okay. That's my... That's my... Uh, it's your take. People pre- still prefer blue over pink. That's right. Yeah. All right, on today's episode, what do you want to watch? We'll be talking about what's their history, going over some film news, giving you some thumbs to trailers and talk about this week's top three. Uh, kick things off over on Platinum Explosion. You've got a spoiler cast up for the latest PlayStation Productions TV series, Twisted Metal, which released on Stan, uh, following a driver in a post-apocalyptic world uh, in which, you know, cities have cut themselves off from each other. Uh, Shitty people have been left on the outside. um, And there are milkmen who make deliveries between cities. Uh, One of them is John Doe, uh, played by Anthony Mackie, who we follow uh, and gets tasked with a special delivery across the country uh, with hijinks ensuing. Uh, of course, based on the Twisted Metal video game series uh, by PlayStation, expectations not very high for this uh, going in for a lot of people. Dylan, what are your spoiler-free thoughts on Twisted Metal? Yeah, so I really wasn't looking forward to this. I knew I was going to watch it for Platt because it's PlayStation production, but I've come out the other end really surprised, really actually ended up enjoying it. Um, I think Anthony Mackie is the favorite thing. My favorite thing he's done. I think he has a lot of personality and he's really likable in this series. Um, cast is all great. Lots of lively performances. The world is quite fascinating. It's like this Mad Max thing, but not Mad Max. It's sort of Mad Max, but a little bit sillier. Um, and although the budget restrictions don't help with some of the action and stuff like that, I think the the reason it succeeds is because of the performances and the the characters and actually pulling off having a a wild wacky world and plot line while still trying to do some serious at times character and dramatic work because when it when it does that stuff it actually works and somehow but yes i I very much i enjoyed i enjoyed what it was yeah i i was surprised how good it was like um it does take a little while to hit its stride i think you know um and it, it definitely it does not look like The Last of Us. It does not have that massive 
uh, CGI budget, like some of the the shots of cars look pretty rough, uh, especially when they're like zooming at extra high speeds. Uh, looks super cartoony, um, but yeah, the acting is really good across the board. Very fun, charming. Um, you know, every joke doesn't necessarily land, but there's a lot to do. Um, the sweet tooth combination of Anthony uh, of Samoa Joe uh, providing the bodywork and Will Arnett providing the voice works reasonably well, um, and he is a lot of fun when he shows up in the show. Um, even if his ultimate iconic look doesn't work in, in the in the end, um, but yeah, it's kind of centered around the uh, quiet play by Stephanie Beatrice, John Doe play by Anthony Mackie relationship uh, at the core. Uh, the will they won't they? Uh, the relationship does feel a little bit rushed um, due to the time constraints of the plot, um, but you know. Can't name another show where in which two characters have sex in a ball pit multiple times. Uh, oh. So, you know, it's got that going for it. Um, but yeah, really fun. Like, maybe the biggest surprise so far this year. I can't think of another. Like, I, can't, I definitely can't think of another TV series I thought was going to be bad actually turned out to be good. So, no. Yeah. So, uh, check out Twisted Metal, all episodes released on Stan. Uh, so you can check it out over there. Uh, Dylan, you watched the latest Apple TV Plus original film, The Beanie Bubble. You didn't watch this? I did. Uh, <laughs> I was like, sure, you were looking forward to this. Uh, I made sure to watch it under the assumption you would have watched it. Yes. Uh, I thought it was meh, probably. Like, very mediocre. Um, it's, a, it's just such a paint-by-numbers version of this story that doesn't really have like it's it's trying to keep the bubbly fun attitude about it it doesn't really go into any like it's like oh he was sort of bad but also like, eh, like, like let's not go too let's let's not get too negative over here guys like let's not go let's not bring the mood down in the room sort of thing like um i think the standout is geraldine um this Vince for nathan um she's fantastic she's the best part of the sh- the the movie she has just a presence that she brings to every single scene that she's in otherwise everyone else and everything else about this i did not really care for zach alfanakis's um tie whatever the tie warner um like it's fun for about five minutes and then i sort of was like i'm i know i just i'm sick of this character i don't like you don't you i sort of felt sorry for obviously um how robbie and sheila sarah snook and elizabeth banks as characters are treated as he's like two wives which is sort of told non-wives these two partners at ultimate because they cut backwards and forwards between the movie between like later years and early years with these two different women and sort of tie them all together um i felt sorry for them obviously because they're treated like shit um but um especially robbie actually i guess is treated like shit um but yeah i just uh i don't I, i wouldn't i wouldn't i wouldn't suggest watching this though yeah, I thought it was fine. Like, uh, obviously, it's a story of uh, Thai Inc., the company that ultimately created the Beanie Babies. Um, uh, a lot of it is focused around the advent of the Beanie Babies and, like, how they become, like, a worldwide phenomenon and, like, or a United States phenomenon, really. Um, and, may like, how that particularly happens. Obviously, you have uh, Elizabeth Plains playing Robbie, 
uh, Taiwan's original uh, partner who she started the company with uh, and on again, off again, lover. Sarah Stock plays uh, Sheila, his uh, fiance at, at a period of time uh, during the Bindi Bubble craze. Uh, and then Geraldine Viswanathan plays uh, Maya, who is a early worker at Thai Inc., um, starting as a college freshman um, and eventually working her way up through the company um, through a period when the internet started becoming a thing um, and that kind of stuff. So it, it tracks all that. The show, uh, the movie does this thing where it just jumps around time periods constantly. Um, I don't recall a movie that had the date, the year show up so frequently as this movie does. Um, yeah. And it's told from the, obviously from the perspective of the three women, um, which is an interesting device. I just, yeah, it's very, fine. My other just... question is this. I don't know if you have an answer to this. Why do they change a bunch of the people's names? Like why is, so if you look is up the, what, if you look up the real person who, um, so they call the character Maya, right? Who, mm. um, Geraldine plays. Geraldine plays. That character, that not character, that person' real name is Lena Trivedi, right? So Probably why white is woman, Ty Warner? Why. Huh? Probably white woman. <laughs> no, it's she. No, okay. She's definitely not white. I want to presume what the fucking ethnicity is without finding it officially, but uh, she's Indian. I don't know. Brown family, blah, 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 blah. Like, yeah, I mean, Geraldine's, what's Geraldine? Do we know? She's in. She's not white. She's Indian (laughs) descent, I believe. So it's fine then, right? Like, what's that? (laughs) I don't know. Maybe they just. I'm just very, I, I got very confused after getting to the end of the movie and quickly doing a quick Google search and some stuff and being like, why is like. Why is Ty Warner Ty Warner, but then this other character who's, like, I don't know why her name changed. I'm very, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that's, uh, maybe they didn't have 100% of the rights would be my guess. Yeah, odd. But yeah. Um, Yeah, I found it, you know, enjoyable enough to watch. I think they give good performances, obviously. Uh, Geraldine versus Nathan just has a presence about her and is like a rising star and i wish we would see her more stuff um but yeah just you know obviously they're trying trying their best to have the all the storylines kind of converge of ty warner being a shitty person at the very end of double crossing all of them kind of playing out at the same time um and it it didn't quite work because you've got the the sarah snook and the geraldine kind of happening concurrently and then you've got this robbie timeline happening completely separately i guess mm. um and although they do she does tie into some of the betrayals at the start um yeah and just, i mean it's interesting and in, like seeing the psychosis of a guy who like was very controlling and had like one good idea of under here's my great idea let's use less stuffing yep that, yeah i'm a genius uh <laughs> um when really the the actual genius behind everything is Geraldine's Vispanathan's character, I would argue. Because uh, she's like, she's the one who got, well, she's made to look like she's the person behind the actual Beanie Babies craze and like mm. getting people interested in those. Um, 
and getting like the website and all that kind of stuff started. Uh, he just seems like a idiot across the board most of the time. So, um, yeah. So there's a there's a documentary called Beanie Mania, which I thought about watching. Yes, I've watched um, that, but that's oh, more but... focused on the consumer element. Like, okay. Like well, the the, the that's focused. That. The actual... yeah. yeah, that one's more focused on the like the magazine lady who comes okay. in for that one shot. Yeah. Yeah. But I looked it up and I saw it was narrated by Colleen Ballinger or whatever. So now I'm like, Ooh, I, I don't. Yes, that's awkward. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's unfortunate. Uh, but yeah, Beanie Bubble. That's the thing. Uh, Dylan, you've watched the first several episodes of the new upcoming Prime video series, The Lost Flowers of Our Heart. Um, all right, so yeah, I finished the show. <laughs> <laughs> um we watched the trailer for this i gave it like i said it looked good i think your Christmas was the trailer was like what does this say you were like it was too hard to figure out what was going on right that was like the i can't remember anyway it's uh so it's based on tv uh, sorry it's based on a book of the the same name um australian series australian book um i really really enjoyed this i probably one of my favorite tv definitely one of my f- man prime kills it i swear they <laughs> they got a lot of my favorite shows of the year so far so um, I really, really enjoyed this. One of my favorite shows of the year. Um, fantastic cast and um, really interesting story. So I'm um, trying to talk about that spoilers. But so the story is of obviously this young girl, Alice, Alice Hart, who she has a abusive father and she uh, then this fire happens that leaves her without her mother and dad anymore. And she ends up going to live with her grandmother, who she had never met because her dad kept his mum, which is Sigourney Weaver's character, away from them. So she'd never met her granddaughter or anything like that. Um, so she takes her away. Sigourney Weaver's ta- character takes her away and like she lives on this sort of farm and stuff like that. But there's all these like secrets and stuff that's teased throughout the, the very first couple episodes about, okay, well, what was the relationship between her and um, Sigourney Weaver's character and the the dad um, and all these other elements. And then you've got Asha Ketty's character who's um, plays this, uh, well, she, she's a librarian in the local town and she really wants to look after Alice and she has all these fears that um, Sigourney Weaver's character is hiding some secrets and that Alice going and living there is not going to be the best for her um her well-being so she's trying to look into that as well um the show is sort of split at a point i think around episode four it does or episode five somewhere along that point it jumps ahead to add um alice as an adult um so it sort of goes off two sides of a coin and how it all comes together i think is very well done there's definitely the show does tackle a lot of heavy elements and themes obviously when you start a show with um child abuse um also just straight up abuse like because obviously uh alice's mother was also being abused in that that dynamic and everything like that there's a lot of heavy subject matter within the show um but some really great performances um shot really well i i assume it was shot locally it definitely looked like it was fucking <laughs> it definitely looked like it was shot where it was yeah filming locations imdb says new south wales and um yeah around new south wales so um yeah really really liked it 
would highly suggest checking it out if um uh, oh no just check it out there you go i i really enjoyed it I, I definitely again i'm fucking i'm running behind on reviews every time something's coming out and i'm getting my review off I'm, there's not enough time in the world i can't i can't keep up anyway i'm trying to get a review off as a, for this as well but i definitely i think i'd be uh, somewhere between an eight to a nine for the whole series all right uh so we both watched the first episode of season two of the uh stand series heels of course following the trials and tribulations of duffy wrestling uh and the owner jack spade um yeah i thought it was an enjoyable first episode picks up right after the finale of last season um but then quickly devolves into a flashback episode uh to before they before jack kind of started running dwl um I think, yeah, it's an interesting episode because obviously it fills in a few different gaps of our knowledge. Um, But as a premiere episode, it seems like a weird choice to uh, go back so far, uh, filling in so much of the gaps. I feel like, yeah, I'm not sure. I feel uh, obviously the first season, I feel from memory, was largely written by Michael Waldron. So whether it's uh, showrunner Mike, Mike O'Malley like putting a stamp of uh, where he wants the show to go or what the history of the show is going to be, um, and like kind of delving into that and like uh, finally answering a few different questions like how did Ace get into wrestling and like what was the fallout of uh, King Spade's death and why, uh, you know, how did we get here? I guess a lot of those questions are kind of answered. Um, I don't know. This episode... It was fine, but I feel like there was definitely standout moments of incredibly wooden acting or dialogue that kind of threw me out of the episode. But um, when they actually got to the wrestling bits and a lot of the fun stuff that we've enjoyed of the show so far, it was good. So, uh, Dylan, what did you think of the premiere episode of Heels? Uh, yeah, I thought it was an okay episode. I mean, Stephen Amell's a scab now, so I don't know what's going on there. But I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He turned, heel I mean, to promote, he turned heel to promote his show as a heel. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. Yeah, you know, just, maybe it's all the character. It's all a bit. Yeah, um, performance acting. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure that's that's what it was. He'll, he'll come out. His, his PR, his agent comes out and goes, "It was it was a joke, everybody." He was, he was doing a heel. He was doing a heel. Stephen Amell for his show. Yeah. You know. Um, I thought the episode was fine. I definitely, yeah, I, I sort of agree. Although. My my one like sort of saving grace as I was thinking about it is I'm like fucking the season opener is like eighty percent of flashback like that's interesting choice but I was like oh no sort of maybe I prefer this to every episode having ten minutes of this story because you know you know how sometimes I'll do that an entire season yeah. would have been this entire episode just split up entire across the entire season so yeah. I'm like oh okay at least we've got this story they wanted to tell and sh- like they obviously just wanted to get all this information to the audience to to before going forward with the characters from this moment. Which I'm like, okay, like it, it's a choice to have it as the the premiere of your second season, but um, and yeah, I'd agree. Yeah. yeah, some of the acting was stiff and whatever else at times. The wrestling match once they got into it, I thought was fun. Um, seeing punks in here twice, it's funny. Um, I don't know if I noticed the first time I was on the show, but he is heavily covered in makeup to cover every single tattoo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he has no, <laughs> he has no tattoos. Yeah, yeah, it's very weird. Um, also, I appreciate the show just addressing our major complaint with the finale, like right off the bat. 
uh, with uh, Mike O'Malley's promo to the to the uh, fans, or whatever mm. about anybody stealing the belt. Mm. Anybody can just take the belt. Um, but yeah, I, I'm keen I, to see. I, I was. I'm real. My stand. My best. My favorite moment was just seeing. Oh, fuck, what's the character's name now? I forgot. What is her name? I can't remember. Whatever the character's name. Oh, uh, Kelly Berglund's as a. Crystal. Crystal, that's it. Uh, I've seen Crystal like celebrate with everyone at the start of the episode, being put up on their shoulders, drinking. Everyone's happy for her, um, which is really great. And seeing that moment with her, like in the mirror, putting the belt around her waist, all that sort of stuff. And falling off, certainly. Yeah. <laughs> The most excited I am about this show going forward is her storyline, like, mm. which is annoying because I saw that's like it's not, that, okay. <laughs> it's not the A story, and yeah, but that's what I'm most keen to see. So, all right. Uh, so I've been watching a documentary series on binge called "The Backside of Television." Uh, it's hosted by Mitch McTaggart. Oh, I watched uh, this. I talked about the special I watched last. The uh, last the year of television? The, the New Year's special or whatever. Yeah. 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 yeah so he does a lot. The last year in television, kind of like a recap of everything that kind of happened in Australian television. The backside of television kind of does uh, short highlights on key mo- like different moments in Australian television history or like delve into a genre and how it's uh, being handled um, and kind of... Uh, makes fun of it pokes fun at different elements or like oh it's the ridiculousness of it i think uh the first season was like three episodes the second season is kind of uh i want to say six seven episodes at the moment i think it's still ongoing um but yeah as someone who i feel like australian television history is definitely not uh widely known especially if you weren't experiencing at the time well um, you know where i got a lot of my australian tv history from where 20 to 1 Remember oh yeah that show that show yeah that show but even yeah. that is like good moments usually you know it usually was but like gr- growing up like however i was in high school when that show was on for the few years and whenever they did 20 to 1s on those major moments that's where i learned a lot about like older australian tv and people i didn't know anything about yeah we'll shout yeah. out there so, I mean, one of the first episodes, I feel like, uh, it, it delves into Australian um, true crime television, which is uh, pretty shocking, <laughs> uh, pretty distastefully done. And, like, um, it's funny, he points out how many how many of these shows kind of are covering the same subject matter, um, like the exact same murders, even to the extent where there is a show from... I want to say 2002, they got re a story. They got redone, re-aired. Like they got a new narrator, same dialogue, same scripts, same like stock reenactment footage, and they just re-aired it again. Um. So yeah, there's a a lot of interesting stories uh in there. I think one of the most interesting ones is like they delve into how they had the uh children's rating. Like a that like the Australian government put like in quotas that you need to have between this block you need to have shows that are rated C that are specifically targeted children um, to fulfill the quotas or whatever, um, and a lot so much crazy television was being made like to fill those that time slot, 
and like so many so many different shows did not qualify because they weren't specifically chosen like for children um yeah the whole story about how like that these television stations were getting so pissed off about uh not being qualified for this stuff is uh crazy um so yeah i would recommend checking it out there's a lot of fun a lot of different uh stories um yeah pretty crazy the other interesting one was like the the history of play school um because they the dark history of play school. kind of because well not dark but like how they were trying desperately to hold on to their small control inside the abc and like inside of children's television like they were very against sesame street becoming a thing on abc because they wanted to keep play school a thing um and then you know they were very against the the show kickoff um do i'm i don't remember the show kickoff but i've seen like you've seen the the shot of the creepy doll with no eyes I watch a lot of the horror movies. Actually, I mean that's true. Yeah, then, like. yeah. So <laughs> it was in a children's show, but there's this creepy doll with no eyes, and like that was part of that show. And they were against that, uh, but then they they created uh, bananas and pajamas, and like that's that was a big cash cow. Um, merchandise like across anything and everything. Um, so yeah, very interesting show. I'd recommend checking it out. Uh, and then I also, I've watched season two of Good Omens, obviously starring David Tennant, Michael Sheen, uh, as the angel, Azafriel, 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 and the demon Crowley. It was enjoyable. I don't know. I feel like a lot of the season didn't really have an aim other than to tell short stories of their past adventures. But they're good short stories. I mean, yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> like, that was all enjoyable, but the present day storyline was not, it didn't click for me. You know, it was the least interesting element of the show. I don't know. They're just so much fun to be around. I don't really uh, yeah, care I feel doing. like if they had the show just could have done... been about them getting groceries and I wouldn't care. <laughs> that's true. They're enjoyable <laughs> together. Like, I feel like it's. It's interesting because obviously you've, especially in between the two seasons, the Sandman came out. I feel like this show definitely feels like the Sandman a lot, um, but I feel like they could go crazy with the storylines and like you just do a full episode devoted to them doing other, being involved in other religious well, events. He wants to do a third season, and like on those interviews, I mean, it ends on a cliffhanger, yeah, or like an unresolved, unsatisfying conclusion. Um, well, not unsatisfying, but definitely on a cliffhanger, or like I don't know if I classify it as a cliffhanger, but like unresolved ending. Um, so I'm keen to see that, and I'm definitely hopeful they do it with season three. Um, but um, yeah, like the short stories of how they get involved throughout religious history is like some of the most interesting stuff. Um, the Body Digger one is my favorite. Yeah, that ep- that episode. The, okay, I just thought that was so much fun. I mean, and what they hint at the third season being uh, could uh, be very interesting. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, but yeah, really enjoyable. John Hamm plays a fantastic idiot the entire season. Um, what is gravity? 
With this fly. It's when I drop fly. this, it goes down. But when I do this fly, it flies up. Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> but yeah, I, I feel like the, the modern storyline didn't wasn't as engaging as the fun short stories about what they did in the past. I think there's so. some COVID restrictions uh, that helped uh, affect this show. Affected that? They basically have one set. <laughs> yeah. It's the bookshop. Yeah. And then the street. That's it. So yeah, but I would recommend checking out Good Omens season two. Let's move into the mandatory Netflix segment of the show. Dylan, you watch Bird Box Barcelona? Oh shit! Oh, okay. Uh, so Bird Box was average. I think I gave it like a five or something. Anyway, um, cool idea, uh, cool like world or whatever, but I didn't really care for it. So what was what was Bird Box to remind people? The Bird Box is like it starts Sandra Bullock and it was set in New York or wherever it was. It was set in America, and these creatures come down. You never see the creatures, but what happens is when you see them, you kill yourself. So, like, like the, it's it's a end of the world apocalypse sort of thing. But then it's like, okay, are they aliens? Are they like you never know? It doesn't really matter. At the end of the day. So then you got all these people trying to walk around, get together, stay alive. They've got that's why if you ever watch trails or so posters, people always have blindfolds over them while they're they're moving around and shit like that. Because if you see these creatures, you, you're going to die. Um, Bird Box Barcelona takes introduces some other interesting ideas and stuff, which is so it's set in a completely different city, part of the world. It's fine. Um, helps and it introduces this idea that there's a group of people who when they view the creature things entities whatever they are uh they don't kill themselves instead they have the view that they're like angels and they go around and they're now trying to make sure other people see them so they'll they'll go around and they're like getting other humans and purposely making them rip their blindfolds off and like more or less killing them because then they just kill themselves sort of how it comes together um there's like a cool action scene at the start of this movie but pretty quickly the movie just gets fucking boring like i don't really and there's some people in this movie i like to like diego calvers in it um as a supporting role he was like the main character in um babylon so I was like, hey, it's that guy. And then he didn't have much of a role. And I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> uh, Georgina Campbell's in it. Um, she was in Barbarian, which I really liked last year. Um, like, she's the main female character, I guess. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. It's just such a, it was just such a mess. I don't really, it's hard to fully criticize what One Piece doesn't work. It's just, doesn't have any engaging characters it mostly has pretty bland performances from old actors involved. Um, it doesn't, other than the one idea about the humans coming in and doing some stuff, like it has this cool idea, but then doesn't really go anywhere with it. And much like the first film, it just all leads to a revelation at the end to maybe set up somewhere they could go of a sequel that they probably won't do either. So don't suggest. I don't suggest watching either. And yet I watched another one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, fool me once, am I right? Yeah, yeah, fool me twice. twice. Don't, you won't get me a third one. Don't, you won't get me a third time. Yeah, where is there any way they could set it that would make? 
set in Australia. Okay. Bird Box that would Australia. make you watch. Yeah, no. fucking I'll watch it said Bird Box. People wander around and blindfold being like, ah, oh, fuck off, you cunt. Like, <laughs> 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 Stop banging into me. Uh, right. You're like, was that the creature? Or was that a fucking plover? <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. All right. Uh, all right. That's everything I watched this tree. Let's move into some film news and like following up from last week. Uh, it has been confirmed. Disney has announced it will stop releasing DVDs and Blu-rays in Australia. Guns of the Galaxy 3, which is set to hit shelves in August, will be the last physical release in Australia. Previously released DVDs will continue to be available only while existing stock lasts. The decision affects Disney's main many film studios, including Marvel and 20th Century Fox. It means that when the time comes, nostalgic Aussie fans and collectors will have to turn to international retailers if they want to buy DVDs. Uh, it is understood the decision is due to dwindling physical sales and the increasing popularity of online home entertainment, such as the company's in-house screening platform, Disney+. Plus. Uh, Dylan, obviously we kind of quickly covered this last week, but now that it's been 100% confirmed uh, that we're not going to get any more physical media from Disney, one of the biggest publishers or distributors of film and TV in the world, um, what is the future of physical media here in Australia? Uh, terrible. The, well, the fate of physical media in the world is terrible. The fate of physical mm. media in Australia is even worse. So, yeah, I mean, the thoughts obviously haven't changed. Um, I hate everything about this. It's sort of it's inspired me to want to buy more, especially try and maybe support places like Umbrella more. <laughs> I don't know, like people who actually put effort into these things locally, local like sort of um, what do you call it? physical media publisher sort of places. Um, or at least try and like, and I, I buy physical media, so maybe I'm, but there's only so much one man can do. I don't know. Um, yeah. So I, because I come from all sides, both from a, hey, I think the idea of relying solely on streaming platforms as the only place you can find any movie and or TV show is probably a bad idea because they can just remove them at the drop of a hat, or that mm. streaming service could die, or like you just don't have any like way to guarantee that's a good plan. Um, so I think that's horrible. Similar to how we talk about games and digital games being stuck on digital stores for like the sake of like keeping history and stuff. That's a terrible idea. But then I also come from another side of the hat, which is I do 110% believe and know because I could tell difference that if I put a disc in, it looks better. Even if Netflix says it's 4K streaming, especially if it goes to any darker scenes, those bitrate differences make huge, huge differences. The audio is 10 times better on a disc than it is doing the streaming. They su- um, they su- suppress the, the... No. Suppress? Yeah, whatever. Um, it's not very good. Well, it's fine. <laughs> but it's better on this. So, yeah, I, I've, I'm both angles. From both a technical standpoint to get the best version of it, disc is always better. As a... Having access to stuff and being able to keep films and TV as part of our history, physical's better. Like, I... You know, like, I like streaming platforms. I'm not saying, like, kill them yeah, all. How like, many things go... did we talk about today did you watch physical um, media of? What did we talk about? I already forgot. So I didn't... Well, none of the ones that streaming <laughs> were available. Did, so. <laughs> yeah, so none of them, right? None of them. We didn't talk about anything that's available physically. Um, 
but yeah, I it's not like I want streaming services to go away. I just feel like that I just I just want to I just need an ecosystem need that, where both can live and um and supporting physical media is good. And another thing that people have been pointing out this week that is a very good point is that uh residues residuals off physical residuals, platform yeah. physical platforms were going back to people and now they're not. And it's just another way that all these big companies can keep money straight to the to the top dogs. So yeah, not good. Yeah, I agree. It's very disappointing. Um, you know, I'll admit, I don't remember the last time I bought a Blu-ray or a DVD. Um, just pure, you know, it, back in the day, it used to be a lot. But, you know, recently, you'd be frugal. It's like, do I really need to have a physical copy of such and such? Probably not. Um, but, you know, the option... And I'm as for collectors, I'm sure they're a very small minority of the audience. Like, it's very disappointing for them. But I feel like I understand not wanting to mass produce a bunch of Blu-rays and DVDs that very quickly depreciate in value. Um, you know, really, it doesn't make super sense. I just feel like they need to the DVD Blu-ray market needs to shift and change it can't be we're gonna make a hundred thousand copies and just ship them everywhere and that's it you know especially when especially copies that are just the movie and that's it i feel like if we want physical media to sustain itself it needs to effort needs to be put into these releases whether it is limited edition collector's editions Stuff like that. Well, they're so feel- shit these days, and they have been for years. That's the other thing. So, especially like your major ones, like let's say Guardians of the Galaxy for, for as an example. I bet you it has like one twenty-minute feature at on the on the disc, and like maybe a commentary track with James Gunn because he'll actually do those. But a lot of the the major releases have barely anything on them. And I remember years ago, the amount of effort that would be put into and the amount of ex- the expectation that I would have for a home video release would be like, okay, especially in a big movie, there would be like commentary with the director and the producer and the writer. Then there would usually be another commentary a lot of times with the actors. And then you would have like an hour long behind the scenes. You know, like it was like, this is a fucking, your 30 bucks is worth it. You know what I mean? Like it was, a, yeah. it was a package. You got enough shit on there on top of the movie. Yeah. So maybe we need to go back to those days and like make it an event, you know, make it a thing. Maybe you need to scrap the DVD sales. You need to go hardcore 4k HD DVD, uh, Blu-ray, you know, focus on that. Like, uh, cause clearly the collector markets where the bulk of the sales, I would argue, going at the moment other than people buying like the three for 15 dvd blue set like collectors at jb or something like that um yeah i just feel like they need they need to tackle it differently like even like 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 you said umbrella like bringing back these waves of uh older stuff i pre-ordered my pusher collection on blu-ray that i can Rather than my DVD box set that I had to import from Europe. Is that the Nicholas Winding Refn? <laughs> yes. Serious? Yes. 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 <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> so I had, to, I had to initially import that um, to be able to watch it. And now they're releasing it for the, at least as far as I'm aware, the first time in Australia, all three films have got, got a release on, on home video. And they've got nice little packaging like they do for all their things, collectors. You know, it's like a collector's item. It's like my Terrifier collection that I got from yeah. them the, the other month. You know? 
Come with mm. a fucking VHS. <laughs> yeah. I know. Yeah, it's very interesting. It'll be interesting to see how retailers kind of react as well. Like, how long before big box stores don't have DVDs? Well, if you go into any JB Hi-Fi over the last couple of years, it's shrinking, it's shrinking. and shrinking and shrinking. It's more pop finals. It's more toys. It's more It's more random snacks. And, well, I don't even know if it's more video games. I just think it's more random collectible shit. It's more zing than it is. It's more uh, yeah. streaming chairs. Yeah. <laughs> Headphones. Sco- scooters. Sco- yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, do you have a recommendation for people who do import DVDs? Do you have a preferred importing uh, place? Zavi. I think it's Z-A-A-A-V-I.com or whatever. That's a European yeah. one. Um, they're usually pretty good. I've brought from them a bunch of times. Um, or you can just switch to your if you if Amazon has it, you can just obviously switch to the US or the UK one. Um, and a but lot it has of to be the UK, right? Because of no, the... if but a lot of Blu-rays and 4Ks are region free these days. It's mm. it's very not very often you see one that's region locked. Of course, double check. DVDs were always region locked, and that was the problem. But Blu-rays are quite often just region free these days. Okay, just double check, of course. So yeah rough for australians yep uh on the other end of australian news <laughs> the logies happened this weekend um you know the big celebration of australian television uh big winner sonia kruger won the gold logie this year surprising uh but dylan have you heard the biggest upset Louis. at this year's logies yes bluey did not win outstanding children's television series and this is why and the, the second i saw this i went why the fuck do i care about anything else then like if it's this if this award show is that big of a farce who gives a fuck but dylan have you watched crazy fun park what the fuck is that the episode no crazy fun park is the show that won no what's crazy fun park Cry, uh, went, went up a description i'm looking it up don't worry no way it's better than Bluey, though. This is live action. Wow, live action can't be better than animated? No, it can't be better than Bluey. Live action is television. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, A shy teenager wants desperately to fit in and enjoy his high school years if only his dead friend and a posse of rotting ghouls would stop sabotaging him. Yeah, so it's about a guy... His best friend dies, but apparently all these dead people are living in a theme park. So he goes and visits them every night. I'm watching the trailer. You know what? Double thumbs up. Wow! Better than Bluey. <laughs> That's what I'm hearing here first. <laughs> <laughs> More Always better than Bluey, but I'd watch that. Alright, see? Turns, you know. Um, I will say the winners went up on stage and were very apologetic about winning there for Bluey. They were very surprised. Um, yeah. But yeah, that was a, that was a big talking point, as far as I know. Uh, obviously, other big winners of the night were Columns for Accounts, which took out Most Outstanding Actor for Patrick Bramall and Best Out- Most Outstanding Actress for Harriet Dyer, as well as Most Outstanding Comedy. Fuck yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's big success for Binge, which also took out Most Outstanding Drama Series, Miniseries, or TV Movie with the Twelve. They do uh, one original Binge series, and it wins some awards. They're like, nah, that's it. Let I mean, up. I just literally said they did two, but... Uh, what was the other one? <laughs> the 12 also took home. No, but that was... 
That's not that's not an original, is it? I mean, it's Foxtel, but no, that's a that's a Foxtel one. You don't think Colin from Accounts also aired on Foxtel? No, it's a binge original. It was a big part of the promotion. Binge original, binge only. All right, right. binge it on binge. Uh, over on the most popular programs front, Home and Away won most popular drama. Gogglebox Australia won most popular entertainment program. MasterChef Australia won most popular reality program. Most Travel Guides won most popular lifestyle program. Australian Story won most popular current affairs program. And Have You Been Paying Attention won most popular comedy. Um, yeah. Standard Logie's Night, pretty much. Nothing to terrible coming out of it from what i can tell of them logies and then i saw a very good chi- tweet from the chaser twitter account did you see this one do you follow you don't probably don't follow chaser do you do i you? do but do yeah i might have missed it they on did, on x yeah yeah they had um yeah on x yeah sorry sorry they they zeted on x um there <laughs> was like the headline of uh sonia kruger's stuns with her fashion choice as oh, okay, uh, yeah. the, the logies award show and they photoshopped her into a Ku Klux clan uniform <laughs> I mean, I get the. I mean, it's funny, <laughs> but I don't know why Sonya deserved the, <laughs> the joke. Oh, I don't know why the. I mean, I don't really care to be honest. It was from a few years ago at this stage, but like, I don't like her. But I'm like, do you, do you not know why the the? Clearly, I like, don't remember. Oh, she she was like said all these like uh, very anti-Muslim, um, like all Muslims are terrorists, that sort of statement, sort of stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, that does make sense. <laughs> I'll just show you something I discovered as I was like sort of listening to you plus not because you were talking about Logie. So the Australian Children's Television Foundation, right? Yeah. You know, the little little logo of the yellow and the dude's head popping out of the side. Yes. So I go on there. That's where I found the trailer, trailer for Crazy Fun Park. And, like they had a little note about it, like something about series or whatever. Now it is streaming on Ivy. That's where you can watch it. However, yes. didn't realize you can purchase any of these things on it. Like I could purchase Crazy Fun Park so, ugh, Crazy Fun Park, digital download, 20 bucks. Yeah. Never knew, never know. It's like, select a license, education only, um, only for sale in Australia, used for programs in schools, blah, 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 blah. Home use only, only available for sale in Australia, means a program can be enjoyed by a personal device, but it cannot be sold, hired, traded, given away, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's a, did not know that that was a, um, something you could do. Which, I'm happy to see, although it's not physical media, it does mean that if fucking ABC Ivy yeets Crazy Fun Park off in two years, that people have had the chance, and they don't decide to, to make a, a Blu-ray, that does mean that people have had a chance to at least buy it off you, and they'll have files somewhere. So there you go. That's good. Yeah. Makes sense. I did not know that this was a thing. You can yeah, buy everything off here, all these kids shows. You can buy them all. That's crazy. Yeah. Learn something every day. Yep. So check out all the kids' shows. <laughs> if you want to buy Kangaroo Beach, it's 28 bucks. Do you want to buy World Animal Championships? Oh, this has got, you know, save this. There's going to be a segment at some point. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I talk, Round the twist. Yeah. They got the, the digital downloads on here. There you go. I'm, I'm I'm glad I discovered this. I don't know. Yeah, children's television. Uh, all right, let's move into some thumbs for trials. Of course, you can find all I the just trials. Said double thumbs up. Fuck's sake. 
Move on to the next segment. Even more thumbs for trailers. Right, okay. Yeah. Uh, of course, you can find all the trailers we're about to talk about in the show notes below. Kicking this off with The Exorcist, Believer, directed by David Gordon Green, starring Leslie Odom Jr. and Dowd Jennifer, Nettle- Jennifer Nettles. Nobert, Norbert, Leo Butts, uh, Lydia Jewett, Olivia Markham, and Ellen Bernstein. Uh, when his daughter Angela and her friend Catherine show signs of demonic possession, it unleashes a chain of events that forces single father Victor Fielding to confront the nadir of evil. Terrified and desperate, he seeks out Chris McNeil, the only person who witnessed, the only person alive who witnessed anything like it before. Dylan, what did you think of the trailer for The Exorcist Believer? Uh, I'm going one thumb up, one thumb down. I'm mildly interested in this film because I guess, um, like, I like The Exorcist, like the first film, obviously. It's a, it's a horror classic. Um, my only worry of this is David Gordon Green. So he did one good Halloween movie and then he did two bad ones. So is this going to be the good one? And then the other ones, because he's already, there's more coming, right? He's doing the same thing. It's the same creative team as far as I can tell as well. Yes. So they're like, well, we did some, we did some sequels to, to that. And they're, they're doing the same thing here. So they're doing another two, well, at least doing one more after this. I don't think. It's like the Exorcist Doubter yep. or some shit. I don't know. I can't remember. Exorcist something anyway. Um, but I'll go one up, one down. I really like Leslie Odom Jr. Like as an actor. So like there's. You know, there's some talent involved in this. Going out, Alan Burstein back is is good and everything like that. But yeah, I I feel like the trailer was a little bit too focused on jump scary sort of stuff and whatever else. And you're never going to recreate the magic of the first movie because it's sort of a a point in time where it just it shocked the world like never before, and it was prior to the internet and all that sort of stuff. So like, you just I I don't know. I'm I'm going in mildly intrigued, but I'm going one up, one down for the trailer. I really like the poster though. Is uh, I'll put an additive on with the t- the two fucking possessed girls, and it's like sideways and everything. It just yeah, as what like the the final shot of the trailer of the two girls with the with the cross and everything. Yeah, yeah. So that's like the poster. It just says the Exodus believer. Like that's the shot they've used for the poster. I've mm-hmm. just seen that in your cinema wall. Like, like nope. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll give it one up, one down. You know because it. It does look scary, but it doesn't look very good. <laughs> you know, so that... Uh, like, very good you know, for you, or very good... Or, like, in general. In general, right. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, obviously, I've never seen The Exorcist, but I know enough. It's about an exorcism. About, about the exorcism. demon being expelled, you know? I've seen a scary movie, uh, too, which I think has exorcism in it. <laughs> so... Uh, <laughs> this movie just isn't for me. Uh, but correct. You know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that is. I don't know. I've, it seems like the reaction to this has not been very positive. Like I feel like uh, mostly people just don't want people retreading this particular franchise. Yeah, I think I said the same about Halloween until it was good though. So yeah, because uh, has it been? Many have yeah, they made sequels to X. They made the sequels, so yeah, they're sequels. But this is a, yeah. the, the, I feel like this is again like Halloween. This is meant to be like a direct sequel too. Yeah, this is like there's nothing since the first Exodus now to this, you know. Hmm. But they also did the Exodus TV show that was good. 
you know, recall that being yeah. well received. Yeah, that was actually good, so. All right. The Exodus Believer coming to cinemas 12th of October 2023. Do you reckon they'll play uh, I'm a Believer? In the, um, in the movie I'll be shocked, point? but, you know, why not? Go over well. the trailer? Oh, over the credits? Yeah. And then I saw her face. <laughs> they should just use that for the trailer. Uh, next, tra- next trailer is for Miguel Wants to Fight, directed by Oz Rodriguez. Uh, starring Tyler Dean Flores, Christian Vunapola, Imani Lewis, Suraj Paratha, and Raul Castillo. In a neighborhood where fighting is stitched into the fabric of everyday life, Miguel has never found himself in one. Over when a combination of events turn his life upside down, Miguel and his friends enter into a series of misadventures. Dylan, what did you think of this trailer? Uh, double thumbs down. Not for me. Uh, looks like a... Yep. It's was, it was a thing. Looks, uh, looks like it's definitely not for me. Is what it is. It's just I, I don't know. I was like this. I suppose it's trying to be funny. Looks like it's for young kids, like young teenagers. Sort of looks like a Nickelodeon movie, but not Nickelodeon was a thing. Yeah, this is. I'll give it one up, one down. I think it's clearly aimed at a teen audience, uh, evoking fighting movies stereotypes and imagery clearly he's wearing the enter the dragon uh bruce lee outfit or kill bill for younger people um but yeah i don't know looks interesting enough like you know there there, there wasn't enough plot or story it was just a bunch of set pieces through this trailer so um they don't really explain why he wants to fight at any point other than everybody does it and we all know peer pressure is bad. And we know fighting is bad, kids. Also, fighting is bad. <laughs> but peer pressure, am I right? Violence uh, is not the way. Most of the time. Miguel Wants to Fight comes to Disney Plus on the 16th of August. Next trailer is for Gen V, created by Craig Rosenberg, Evan Goldberg, and Eric Kripke, starring Jazz Sinclair, Chance Perdomo. Uh, Lizzie Broadway, Maddie Phillips, Derek Liu, uh, Asa German, and Shelley Kahn. Young aspiring heroes have their physical and moral boundaries put to the test while competing at Godolkin University's highly coveted top ranking. Uh, when the university's dark secrets come to light, the students must come to grips with what type of heroes they're going to become. Dylan, what would you think of trailer for this? The Boys spinoff. Uh, yeah, double thumbs up. Looks fun. Um... I'm not. Uh, I, I I have a little bit of like. Oh no, we gone too much. We gone too deep on the the boys' universe. But that was my first thought, and then the second half of the trailer just looked batshit crazy. So and I was like, you know what, fuck it, double thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is two thumbs up from me as well. Like obviously they're going for the tone and the style of the boys, the gore factor. Um, but it definitely feels like they're going a completely separate part of the universe. Um. That you know, it it definitely feels like it won't tread on any of the boys' toes. Hmm. Um, uh, focusing on teen superheroes and obviously you know evoking X Men and you know Sky High vibes with you know the school of there kids is a, learning to use their powers. There is a part in the comic book series where they go to a school like this, but much like a lot of the TV show versus the the comic, it's wildly different. Like, yeah. 
So clearly there's some sort of mystery happening at the same time. Uh, some of the powers look very weird and crazy. So yeah, definitely keen for this to come out. So this is releasing on Prime Video on September 29th. Next trailer is for The Great Escaper, directed by Benjamin Renner, starring Michael Caine, Glenda Jackson, John Standing. In the summer of 2014, a World War II veteran sneaks out of his care home to attend the 70th anniversary commemoration of the D-Day landings in Normandy. Tell what did you think of this trailer starring Michael Caine? Uh, double thumbs up. Looks absolutely fantastic. I didn't know anything about this story, to be completely honest with you. I'm not sure if it was publicized around here. I, I don't know what the go was. Uh, but yeah, it looks uh, really uh, both charming and heartwarming and everything like that at the same time. And um, fantastic performances, it looks like. So I, yeah, I'm, very, I'm very, very keen for this. I knew nothing about it. And then I watched the trailer and I was like, yep, that looks great. Give that to me. Yeah, I'll give it two thumbs up as well. Like it, it was a surprising find uh, this week. Um, yeah, like a very wholesome, I guess, kind of looking movie. Um, you know, of a guy breaking out of his retirement home uh, because you know you're definitely being held in those against your will uh, to go visit France from the UK, uh, which I guess would not be an easy journey. Um, but yeah, looks really good. Uh, I think the final performance of Glenda Jackson, from what I could tell uh, from the Wikipedia article, she passed away like a few weeks after they screened the final film for them. Um, and uh, yeah, looks quite interesting. So uh, this is releasing in the UK on the 6th of October. No Australian release date at the moment. Final trailer for this week. Saw X, or Saw Twitter, uh, directed by Kevin Guterit, uh, starring Tobin Bell, Shawnee Smith, Sinone McCody Lund, Stephen Brand, Michael Beach, and Renata Vacca. Uh, set between the events of Saw and Saw 2, a sick and desperate John Kramer travels to Mexico for a risky and experimental medical procedure in hopes of a miracle cure for his cancer. Only to discover the entire operation is a scam to defraud, defraud the vulnerable. Armed with a newfound purpose, the infamous serial killer returns to his work, turn the tables on the con artist in his signature visceral way through devious, deranged, and ingenious traps. Dylan, what did you think of this trailer for Saw X? And are you surprised? But this is X of them. You're loving this. Uh, the X. Uh, bit something. <laughs> um, yes, I I'm going to have a thumbs up. I think this looks so for people who obviously the, it's like Saw has a an audience and that's that's why they got so many of them. Um, so for people who like the Saw films, I definitely feel like this looks like one of the better ones. Um, it's interesting because when they announced this, because it was obviously after the success of uh, oh, fuck, what was it called? Whatever that Chris Rock one, right? Um, uh, Spiral Spiral so after the success of Spiral when they announced this they did say that they reckon they're still going to continue Spiral um, which is fine because now it makes a lot more sense now that you know exactly what this one is about because this is a it's Saw 10 but it's also Saw 2 technically because it's set after Saw 1 which makes Saw 1.5 yeah. yeah Saw 1.5 so I the thing I really like about this one is the thing with John Kramer was his whole thing was this like because you I assume you've never watched a Saw movie right? no <laughs> 
So John Kramer's whole thing is like, so he tries to teach people lessons by like, and make them better people by making them realize like they're wasting their lives or whatever. Like he has this whole like superior um, thing about life or whatever. This is the only film where it looks like all of his targets are actually not about that. And it's just straight up revenge. Because it looks like the, the the plot of the movie is... So he goes to Mexico to try and... Because in case you didn't know, Ash, uh, in uh, Saw... Spoilers for the first. <laughs> Spoilers for Saw 2, basically. Saw 2, John Kramer has... Because so, Saw 1, indie film, right? It's all set in one yeah. room, basically. Australian film. Dude cuts off his James leg. Wan. James Wan. Massive success story. Massive yeah. success story. Right, so Saw 2 comes along. Uh, and then sort of that's where the franchise spirals more into this sort of shock horror um route that it ends up going um but in that one john kramer has uh cancer um and he's like over the next couple of films he gets worse and i think he dies in like saw three four so yeah the, he dies like three or four and they somehow make 10 of these and he's the main villain <laughs> of all of them so it's an interesting franchise anyway so this one it looks like he goes to mexico to try and get treatment for his cancer and these people lie to him and say they've removed it but then he finds out that they uh they lied to him and his cancer is actually coming back or something so it looks like he's straight out for for revenge against these doctors so um that's an interesting little twist on the the sore law for people who care um good to see amanda back at the end whatever that actress's name is i've already forgot shelly whatever it is um there should be the police cop character hopefully showing up in this one from saw three i don't know we'll see um but yeah i'm going i'm going double thumbs up because this is exactly what i think saw fans want more or less yeah i'll give it two thumbs up as a horror trailer uh definitely not watching it but that has a interesting story i guess you know i, I it definitely looks convoluted that's my only thing like with all these timelines and stuff you'd have to be if if going watching this trailer i did not know that this was set between saw one and two <laughs> like no. okay it's still kicking around i guess you know yeah i feel like it, for people who know the franchise like i remember when the trailer dropped i looked in the comments and straight away the first comment was someone being like okay so yes it's obviously set between one or two and then i did notice at one minute 34 seconds into the trailer there's a picture where you can see a trap that's used in saw three so that again confirms that this is uh, set well before he uses that trap on this character so the people who are into it are fucking <laughs> you know like into it if they're picking up fucking trap drawings from in the um, for future Saw movies that are Easter eggs in the trailer, so yeah. But for the for the but the movies, it's the tenth one in a in a uh, a, a horror franchise. Like at this, no one's getting into this franchise at ten. You know, I mean, it, it, I'm yeah. It the the naming convention of this franchise is also weird. <laughs> this is ten, but it's technically not the tenth movie called Saw. So you got Saw. Saw 2, Saw 3, Saw 4, Saw 5, Saw 6, then Saw 3D, yep. then Jigsaw, yep. then Spiral, yep. now Saw X. Or 10, I guess, because they did use Roman numerals the entire time. So, yeah. And what's the chronological order of all these? I don't know. Well, so it's, it's now Saw, Saw X, Saw 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 3D. Oh, fuck, no, Jigsaw's te- a little bit of... No, fuck! <laughs> uh, 
because I think that has flashbacks. I don't know. Anyway, yeah, this one's set between one and two. That's all that matters. And Spiral set after all of them because they talk about that's 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 its own universe now, basically. Crazy. All right. Uh, Saw X is coming to Australian cinemas on the twenty eighth of September. All right, let's move into this week's top three. Definitely in the top three. Uh, and we've got a big movie coming this week. The Meg Two. The Trench. Uh, so this week's top three is top three Jason Statham movies. What, what? Tell me what's your number three. My number three is... Now I've just wrote them down and I'm deciding what order to give them as a go. My number three is Crank. This is a movie where Jason Statham plays a character who gets... Um, like he's, I don't know, I don't know. Who fucking cares about the story in these movies? There's two of them. Basically, he gets this thing injected. It's human speed, right? It's human speed. He cannot slow down. He cannot, he can't let his heart rate drop below a certain thing. Like it's some mob boss or whatever injects it into him. Like it's some thing or whatever else. So the whole movie is about an hour and a half of just nonstop, balls to the ball, action, car chases and stuff like that. Because his heart rate cannot drop. Um, it is absolutely ridiculous. They didn't. They then did. A, I can't remember if it was in this one or the sequel where his heart rate starts dropping, and then there's a scene that people make fun of. Plus, like, sort of point out it's sort of fucked up, um, where he just like he's. I mean, it is his girlfriend, but like in public, he just it decides he has to have sex with her because it's the only way he can get his heart rate up. I think that's in the sequel, anyway. Um, yeah, it's a uh, crank one. Is just this. I remember when it came out, and I was in high school. Um, I just. Uh, I mean. I just thought, I, I, me and a lot of friends thought it was like the fucking greatest movie of the year. I think at the time it was just nonstop balls to the wall action. This is this is this, this is what fourteen year old boys want, you know? I think. So yeah, I'll go number three. All right, my number three, The Meg, in which he plays. A you diver. only just watched this. <laughs> That's how it quickly it went up the list, you know. Doesn't mean I've watched very few Jason Statham movies. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> um, yeah, super enjoyable. I think he does a great job in that, and the movie overall is really enjoyable. Uh, it's a megalodon. Uh, you know, I thought that was I was going to be bigger, but you know, that's fine. He's he's definitely charming in this movie. So yeah, that's my number two, number three. Till what's the number two? Uh, my number two is Crank. Uh, sorry, not Crank. Uh, Fast and Furious 7. So, ultimate villain role for Jason Statham in the Fast Universe before they turn him into one of the family members now and a good guy and whatever else. Um, he just plays like a kick-ass bad guy for the, the Fast crew in that. And, um, yeah, behind the car or like hand-to-hand combat fight scenes and everything he sort of had it was a f- full spectrum for Statham I think in that in that movie you're going to play a bad guy he's usually a good guy so that yeah, was good my number one Fast Furious 7 yeah. like really enjoyable before 10 he was the best bad guy in the franchise uh, yeah just a threat takes out Han uh, before the Justice for Han fran- uh, thing uh, just a looming threat throughout the entire movie uh, and you know, the movie is overall is pretty fantastic as well. Sorry, tech gets taken out by a car park, but uh, what are you going to do? Dylan, what's your number one? My number one's Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. 
the first Jason Statham movie I believe I ever watched. Um, and one of my favorite for him. He's, it's absolutely nothing like the rest of them because he doesn't do any action in it at all. But it's just very, it's sort of a side of him that you don't get to see as much nowadays, where he's just sort of comedic and having fun and backwards and forwards. And um, he just plays such a great character. I mean, I could pick the, he plays the same character in Snatch, so, but I think Lock Stock, he gets more time. Um, and wait for this to be your number two because it's the only third film you've watched of Jason Statham. Dylan, my number two. Lock, stocks, two smoker barrels. There we go. <laughs> you know, I only pick the best. I so. only make you watch the best Jason Statham <laughs> movies, apparently, because they're all ones that have been watched for this. You watch a Meg, because Meg 2's coming out. You watch Lock, Stock, because it was picked for a fucking thing. You watch Fast and Furious, because you have to, to be on ExplosionNetwork.com. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You know? I just assumed your list would be my universe. <laughs> but yeah, he's fantastic in the movie. That's super enjoyable. Uh, go check out our spoiler cast on the podcast feed. I might give you some random shout outs just so there's. Yeah. We only mentioned like a couple films there. So there's actually a movie I, I like um, that Guy Richard did. <laughs> there is a movie I like. No, like it's got <laughs> terrible reviews, but I, I lean on the side of it. Um, I actually like it. Uh, it's called Revolver. It came out in 2005. It's a very, like, sort of experimental Guy Ritchie film um, where it's, it's sort of hard to talk about. It. I feel like it's, it's like, he's it's the whole, you're supposed to be guessing the entire movie, like, what the actual plot is and all this sort of stuff. It's, like, sort of left up for interpretation. It's a very, like, sort of much more thriller sort of thing, which Guy Ritchie didn't really come back to doing um, until, like, not, like, Wrath of Man with, with Statham a couple of years ago was more of a straight, straight shooting as well, but um, the, the filmmaking techniques and stuff used in Revolver are a lot more experimental, so um, that's good. The bank job's also really good with him in that, so that's a true story. I think a lot of it's like expanded upon, but that was about the like pictures of... Um, uh, I can't remember who they actually were, but it's like set in the 70s, and a bunch of... A true story about all this, this bank robbery, and they get pictures of um, uh, royal family members having... like sex with porn stars or something i can't remember something like that that's a true story so that's like quite good as well um and then uh what the fuck else was it i was gonna say it was um spy is also one of my if you want like another mm. side of jason statham him in that is fucking hilarious so yeah all right tell them this week what do you want to watch i still want to watch <laughs> you still want to watch talk to me i still want to fucking talk to me <laughs> any luck this week <laughs> no um all right so yeah obviously the meg 2 out this week that's what i um that's gonna be my my pick for the movie this week um and my tv show pick is gonna be heartstopper season two on netflix i mean the, the pretty obvious choices uh the same so Oh, I'll put it. I'll put an asterisk. The Lost Flowers of Al's Heart, as I just said, it's very. It's fantastic. So yeah, I would suggest that. But obviously, for what I'm watching, Heartstopper and Meg are what I'm looking forward to. Yeah, uh, we'll also shout out Cavalier, which is a, a biopic about a composer that I've seen a lot. Took finally coming out in Australia. Australia. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Yep, that's really seeing. Uh, and then on the TV front. Uh, Zom 100 bucket list of uh, of something what was it bucket list of the dead. The dead. Yeah. They've got a live action version coming to Netflix while they're currently streaming the anime version. So that's so very odd. But yeah, I'm, I might check one of those out. 
Let us know what you're looking forward to watching this week by going to explosion.com slash Twitter or sorry, X or just go to explosion pod no, on any social media. The link is still slash Twitter. Yeah. Slash, oh yeah. By going to explosion. <laughs> yeah. Explosionnetwork.com slash Twitter. Find us on X or find explosion pod on all other social media or head over to our discord at explosion.com slash discord. Uh, fucking social media am i right um if you want to help us out here or what do you want to watch leave us a review on apple Podcasts or on podchaser leave us five stars any quinn leave five stars or just tell people about the show and if you've enjoyed this episode thought it was worth a dollar head on over to our coach page at explosion.com slash support thank you very much for listening until next time keep watching stuff i guess